0: Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness, and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts Patrick, Sally, Tina, and Amy. Today we have Helen Train Wynn. We're going to be talking to Helen about transitioning careers leaving a job that was quite a heavy career and what that meant to Helen and the emotions and the decision making and what she went through in deciding to make a change in her career. Now, I see many, many women in this situation where they're not flourishing in their career, they don't know where to start and they have the big, huge
1: fear factor. So thank you for coming in today, Helen. Thank you, Sally. Nice to be here. So, Helen, I'm going to ask you a few questions
0: so that we can help anyone out there who's gone through the journey that you've gone through this year and the ups and downs and the fear factors and all of those things to arrive at a really good place. So, Helen, you were in a high-paying corporate role a really executive role where you were respected and you knew what you were doing and you'd spent years building that, some people might say to you, what the heck are you doing? Why would you leave
1: that role? Tell us about that. It was actually a really difficult decision to make and I think um, a long time coming. I think overall maybe even six years or so um, from the time that that seed was planted that I would want to actually do something different, actually building up the courage and getting to a place where um, I did something about it. Um, I I guess it it all started when my manager at the time went off on um, a succession planning day, And he came back and he shared with me that the long-term plan was for me to be his successor. And I think for the first time, for me, I really questioned whether or not I wanted that. Um, Throughout my career, I've always had this rough outline as to where the next step was going to be. Um, And at that point, I started asking myself, um, well, if I don't want to be his successor. What do I want? Um, and that sort of started the whole process of unpacking what that all meant.
0: And so tell me, that that was a pretty big offer. A lot of people would be proud and go, yes I've got this. What was behind you not wanting to do that? Was it was it not your passion? Was it you didn't like the industry? What, what made you question that, that pretty high-profile role and that people would die for and you don't want it?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I guess there's a real difference to being able to do something and do it well and actually wanting to do it. And for me, part of the difficulty and why it took so long to actually make a change was I was really well supported through the organisation, given a lot of opportunity and I guess there was so much flexibility to cater the roles to what I was interested in as well. So I was promoted, supported and it made it difficult to, to want to leave and a lot of people were saying to me, you crazy like you've got an amazing boss I wouldn't be going anywhere especially after I returned from um, maternity leave where um, I was receiving a lot of support on the flexibility front as well and people were saying to me you're nuts this doesn't actually happen everywhere else you've got this um, arrangement why would you want to rock the boat But it comes back to the ability to do something and do it well and then having that inner feeling of, yes, but there's something missing here. There's a void and it doesn't actually feel right. I guess for a long time, my role fulfilled lots of needs and to a large extent defined who I thought I was as well. Um, So that also made it very difficult to leave too because I had to work through, I guess mentally, what would it mean to not have this title? What would the impact be on me, my family? Um, so it was quite a big mental, emotional process to, to work through. I
0: find that with many people that it's an absolute wrong kind of stuff. So going through those um, processes, what are some of the feelings that you had?
1: Mm, fear.
0: Mm, it's a biggie, isn't
1: it? Yes, and it's it's quite amazing how sometimes from that fear comes courage. Um, but a lot of it was fear. It was leaving something that I knew, an environment I knew, lots of familiar faces, um, to then do something um, that I felt like I wanted to do that was going to bring fulfilment and joy, um, but it was a whole nother industry. It would be new faces, it would be um, putting myself out there and almost starting from scratch, which is extremely daunting. And um, for me, it, I had more at-risk to it wasn't that I was um on my own and I could you know just it could just be trial and error almost I've got a young family so um I was worried about what the impact there would be
0: Mm, so there's a lot of process in making those decisions did you just wake up one day after all that process and go right this is it I'm done or was it bit by bit, keeping one foot in one camp and one foot in the other camp? or did you finally reach the point where you go, this is it, I'm done. How did that play
1: out? Over time, and then I think it came to a point where I knew I needed to do something about it. So it was a um, as most corporate roles are, high pressure environment um, can be somewhat relentless at times, um, and I guess it's not really sustainable in the long term. Um, But I would be coming to this place where I was questioning myself, feeling um, unhappy, I guess, um, every couple of months. And I would be sharing that with um, my partner and the people that I trusted. I had a really good working relationship with my manager as well. Um, Just, I guess... um, Feeling like it wasn't quite right and it didn't impact on my work. I was still there, still performing, still delivering. But internally, I guess there was this niggle that kept coming up every couple of months. And I thought to myself, if I don't do anything about it and I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again, I can't expect a different outcome. It's Albert Einstein's definition of insanity, isn't it? So, um, so that, that was playing in my mind. But um, I guess the most... It was, it was difficult to step away, I guess, because of what that would mean. It was the impact of making that change on a personal front as well as um, for my family... I, um, I was raised in financial hardship. So for me at a very young age, I was very aware of what the impact um, of not having finances um, has on the family, on my parents' relationship. So very early on, I decided that um, I was going to study really hard. I was going to get a job that would pay well. And um, I wanted to ensure that if I had my own family, um, my child wouldn't go through what I went through with seeing the distress and the impact of not having um, finances in, in the family. So I think that was the real driver for me to head down this path in the first place, um, and then as I headed down and I was achieving and accomplishing, I was getting rewarded. It was all sort of taking it shape. That and need. Yeah. Yes, and it met that need and it meant that I could help provide, look after my family and we were all okay. And so that niggle in my mind of I wanted to do something else, um, I was really worried about, well, if I make this change and it doesn't work, and I find myself in a completely different place where there's financial hardship, and I've brought that on to my family. What if, what if, what if? Um, that was really difficult for me to process and also work through.
0: And what I find with a lot of people, and without stereotyping, but especially women... The what if is quite often what stops them. You know, the what if this goes wrong, what if that goes wrong, the catastrophizing the worst outcome is what keeps them in frozen mode and they don't move on. So it took a lot of courage to do what you did. And the other thing I find uh-huh. with many of my clients is that there's a grief process when you leave a role, that you've been well respected, you've got colleagues, you, 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 it's, it's your identity, it's your sense of who I am. Absolutely. So did you go through a grief process throughout that when you finally finished? Did you think, oh, have I made the right decision? You know, missing colleagues, even after you've made that decision, did you think back and go, maybe I made the wrong decision?
1: Um, at the time that I made the decision, I had gone, um, I had gone off, um, I, I moved away from, uh, corporate tax into a strategy and performance role in another team on Secondman and there was a restructure that occurred within the organisation, um, which meant that there was, um, a redundancy on offer and I thought about whether or not this was the time to think about this a little bit further because there was um a safety net which meant that there would be time to to think but that battle of well if i do decide to walk away and i'm um no longer the person with the corporate title with the responsibilities with the respect um, what happens then and then had to strip that right back to well then who am i that's right
0: that's the biggie that's a really big one
1: and I think so many of us identify with our roles, um, who we are in society, um, and there was this process, and I know it sounds really bizarre, and, but at the time I was thinking, oh, but will the people who love me still love me? Mm.
0: Um, That's not bizarre, it's quite common.
1: And, and it's not until you go through that process and actually challenge some of these beliefs that you have um, that you start to understand more who you are, the value you bring, and it's it's not about the titles or the roles. And so the people who love you will always love you. Nothing changes. Mm. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, and that's a big one when people are changing careers because quite often I'll say to them, "Who are you?" And they'll go, oh, "I'm a mum. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a um, hockey player. Whatever." but know who are you, what's the essence of you, what do you value most And, and, and what do you want to be remembered for. That's something that a lot of people don't stop and actually think about. So when you were out and you were thinking, okay, what do I want to do next? What sort of process and how did you arrive at what I want to do next?
1: think I knew for a long time what I wanted to do next because even though I had a um a, a finance tax role um I was being approached um and people were seeking me out for for guidance for advice and for all of the um human things so um how do I talk to my boss about this? I want to ask for a transfer. Do I take this promotion? Um, I need to get this message across, but I'm not too sure how to package it. And we would work through, well, what are the three key things that you want to leave with, um, whoever it is that you're speaking with? So I was being sought out for um, all the things that related to communication, connection and collaboration. And that gave me a real buzz um, I was known as the sounding board, and I loved that. And there were some jokes internally about having a hotline, and mm-hmm. but I was getting like even phone calls at night for people just saying, "Can I talk to you about something? Can you just help me unpack this?" And I loved it. Um, but I guess for me, it was one moving away from um, a role um, that I I knew, and um, and two just. I guess, labels. Yes. I knew what I wanted to do when I could describe it. I was scared to put a label to it, mm-hmm. and especially coming from a finance role where um, titles are important to moving across to something that's not necessarily technical, it's, it can be considered as, oh, a bit fluffy. Creative. Yeah. And so um, but I think I've always been wired more that way because even in my um, my, my role in finance, um, it was all of the the human centered aspects that i liked about that about um working with people to understand what their needs were before we help them solve the problem managing relationships internally externally um, negotiating optimal outcomes mm. and so i think i've always been more wired to the i guess eq side of things rather than the technical iq yes yeah. yeah, yeah. so
0: and, and it's interesting that you know there, is all, there are all these amazing assessments available now for people to understand themselves, right brain, left brain, like you've been in a left brain job, analytical, you know, finance, and you've gone into the creative side of the world, which is totally right brain. It's unfortunate that, that people don't get the chance to undertake these assessments to give them some sort of idea of who they are and where, where they would be suited to, because it can cut down that process of second-guessing oneself and will I or won't I and what am I suited to. And I think that stems from still, in my finding, that we're still going to see kids going through school basing it on academic, whereas there's two sides. Absolutely, academic is not the be-all and end-all. And whilst I don't discourage kids from going to uni, sometimes it's not for them. But they don't know that. Mm-hmm. So I think this is sometimes you ended in your role for fear of being poor. Some people end in their role for fear of letting their family down for not going to university. Some people follow in the footsteps, and the reasons for choosing the career are quite often not compact enough to what it means to that person and it's rather about what it means to others so I think there's a big lesson for people in that part of it yes
1: Yes, I agree I think there's so much focus on um academic side of things and not enough on um what makes somebody tick Mm. and I think that um long term if you're heading down a path that um, ties to your values, to your interests, that's um, that's where joy comes. Mm-hmm. And I think long-term, that's where fulfillment comes as well. And having said that, I appreciate and understand, um, you know, you move through different stages of life where... Um, Perhaps when you've just finished school, um, there's need to feed yourself or feed your family. So I think maybe step one isn't necessarily, oh, I'm going to go and find something I absolutely love. Yeah, I it's the whole process and maybe step one is actually getting that first role to be able to meet basic needs. And mm. But along the way, for me, I believe that if you've got well-developed self-awareness, it helps guide you mm. as to to where to next. And many
0: people would be listening to us and thinking, well, that's all well and good, but I can't leave my job because I do have to put food on the table. Um, And what I often say to them, don't leave your job, but start the process of change of what I call talent stacking, of adding to your skill set, of being curious and having a look by understanding yourself and what your strengths are. It it doesn't mean jump out of your job. It means start the exploration of what else you may be able to do. Um, And that's a step that I think often people don't think they have that luxury because we all need finance. But in actual fact, everyone can have that luxury of at least being curious and exploring and moving toward while still earning money.
1: I agree. I share um, the same view on that as well. Um, For me, I started having, in thinking about the exit strategy, I started having lots of conversations with people to understand their movements through their career and, and learning from those conversations as to different ways to approach it. Um, I also uh, took on some volunteer work with the Smith family, mentoring high school students. um, And that gave me an opportunity to do the work that I um, felt drawn to. And also allowed me to still do my corporate role, but actually help fill this Void that I felt were, was was missing, mm. um, and so so along the way, it was about building um, my skills and also just understanding more about um, how else to approach um, and a career transition.
0: Mm. Um, ask you when you did you leave school and go straight to uni and straight into this role?
1: I actually did uni full time for the first year and felt that there weren't enough contact hours which meant that I had all this time on my hands um, and I thought it could be put to better use. So at the time I decided that the great idea would be to get myself a a job at an accounting firm because I thought long term if I graduate and I've got experience it would make me a more attractive candidate. So I I then took on a role at an accounting firm four days a week and studied part-time and completed my degree while while doing both. Um, When I talk to, um, I guess, people who are going through study considering whether they should take that next step and do further study after high school or take a break trying to figure out what to do next I guess what I learned from my experience was there's time yes Uh, one of my biggest regrets as much as I I think that my journey has led me to where I am but I guess maybe regrets the wrong but maybe my biggest learning is that I, if I had my time again, I would have sat under the trees with my uni mates and enjoyed the time. Mm. You don't get time like that again. No. Um, you That's get a older. Really
0: good, strong, messy.
1: You just don't, it, it, there's plenty of time, in my opinion, to to pursue that career, and you'll be working hard for many years to come, while you've got that time to um, enjoy yourself, enjoy the surroundings. And I think what I could have done was probably get more involved with some of the uni activities and some of the associations and um, use my time that way. I guess the driver for me was also helping out financially with the family too. So for yes. me it was naturally to go and get get a job and and to head down that path but um yeah so after I completed uni my family relocated to to Brisbane and that for me was an opportunity to apply for a head office corporate role because Adelaide in Adelaide there aren't as many head offices so that's when I went straight in and um my and I had stayed there for 13 years um just moving moving um through my career
0: That's really interesting, and um, it's something that's been concerning me is that I've been seeing many year 11 and 12 students beside themselves with anxiousness and depression because they don't know what they want to do and they feel they have to make that decision, choose subjects and make that decision right now. And I say to them take some time go and work at mcdonald's go and do some volunteer um have some life experience and work experience because they're trying to make decisions about their careers when they're still so very immature and young they're not going to have just one career they're going to have 15-year-old will have seven careers. The stats are out there because of globalisation, a changing working world because of robots. And some of the jobs aren't even there yet. So one of my things is, and I'm terribly passionate about, is taking the pressure off and letting them make a couple of mistakes and letting them find out about life rather than jumping straight into something that they might not. They might spend all that money at uni, and they might not like it, and they might be in the 40% that don't get jobs in 18 months. So, I think we need to get a message out there, not just to, not just to our adolescents, our young people, but to people that feel there's only one way, mm-hmm. because there are multiple ways to build your career. I know myself. I went back to uni when I was 42 and I excelled because I was learning something I wanted to. So time that you pointed out there, we do have time. Yes. Um, and, and rushing this process can end up in misery and so much pressure on mm-hmm. us. And so that I thank you for putting that message out there because it is really important that we send this. Just, just let's make it a journey.
1: Yes. yes, yes. And I'm um, not sure if you've seen the visual on what a career path looks like. Everyone thinks that it's you know this mm. straight trajectory, and but it's actually really squiggly, windy, um, and it's such a big decision to be making um, at when you f- finish year year 12. Um, I think a lot of a lot of adults don't even know what they want to do and it's a lot of pressure to try and put that on some of our students Mm. i think the message of it's okay if you don't know what you want to do is um is a very important Mm. one um and for them to take time, explore. Um, And it's okay if you start something that you think you want to do and as you've delved in deeper, you realise you don't want to do it. That's okay too. I think if you're listening to your gut and um, doing something about it, it's it's the best best way to go. Mm -hmm. I think forcing yourself to do something that you know is not what you want is you're going to end up and it's making you
0: miserable
1: absolutely yeah Yeah. i agree so tell us about your journey now what what's
0: chapter two look like for you
1: so at the moment um i am working with individuals to help them create a work life that they they want and that can mean something very different from one client to the next but it's um really based around i guess self-awareness that personal growth um that's where for me it starts it's about understanding your beliefs your motivators your values um your mindset um what some of the limiting beliefs are self-efficacy and then understanding um what career paths are out there and what um what your values are and how to tie the both together. Um, there's a component of work that I do around um, human-centered leadership, which is all about um, leading with trust, care, and mutual respect. Um, communication collaboration how to bring people together how to have difficult conversations how to influence without authority and then well-being as well which is something that I believe is intrinsically linked to um, career growth and often with transition events such as promotions where you're taking on more responsibilities some of that stress and anxiety can can come into play or returning from extended leave um there's a lot it's Mm. it's quite an emotional roller coaster that you go through um because things are different and trying to accept that there's um a new norm for you can um can be really unnerving and it is a changing
0: world and there is no right or wrong and leadership is changing completely like you just said before, EQ is so important. It's not a fluffy word, it's serious business. And the more that comes into workplaces, the healthier, the mentally healthier, especially people we're gonna have. To me, it's like obvious. If we treat people well, if we mentor them, if we coach them, we're going to have a healthy workplace. Rather than that old style leadership was the boss is always right. I unfortunately still see it but I'm heartened to see that it's sifting out of the workplace and and I hear people say oh millennials and Gen X and they're all good. They're good people. They need us to coach and mentor them to help them so rather than resisting and saying they're all lazy, entitled, generation it's really important that the older generations give them some of their skill sets to carry forward and then meld them together. And I think it's that collaboration that you hit on before that's really important in in looking at every previous generation picks on the next generation. Baby burgers are what, um, workaholics, and so it goes on. We are one human race. If we join together in helping each other, I think that that's a really important link and that's some of the work that I believe needs to be done in workplaces. Mm. But, um, Helen, I'm really pleased that you've studied your graduate certificate in your in career development um, and you're going to put that to use. How, how did you feel about entering back into study?
1: I was really excited about it. Um... And I think that's because it was um, driven from an internal motivator. I was internally motivated to, yes. to upskill and to get my qualifications in being able to help people develop their careers um, so, I really enjoyed it. There were a lot of "Aha" moments through there. I think I was able to put some some names to what it is that I do. Yes, um, yes just innately and so and that yes, is. that's right um, And there are so many similarities between it's not too dissimilar to be to working with somebody to solve a, a business problem it's actually the first step is listening. Mm and actually understanding what the concern is um, and unpacking that and, 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 and helping people through that. So asking open-ended questions, those things, I guess, are not new to me. And I think that skill set there was the reason why people were seeking me out to ask mm. the questions that they were asking. Making that
0: the skill set. Yes. It, you can put a name to the skill set. Absolutely. Then you know why you're doing what you're doing. That's right. Yeah, it all comes together. So it's a there lies that work experience, that life experience and that qualification that are the mix, I believe, of being successful. Because you can have a qualification without any form of life experience or work experience. You don't get to apply that theory or to test it out or to see what works on some people. And so that's why I believe uni by itself is not the on air. Mm-hmm. So that's great that you went back to study and you've combined it with all these amazing skills that you've got. I want, I, we need to start to wind up. So I want you to give us three tips for anyone, any school leader trying to decide what to do, any people in transition, redundancy, what do I want to be when I grow up? Give us three of your learnings throughout this process.
1: Okay. Um, the first would be to be curious. Ask questions, talk to people. Um, I think I've learned so much from having coffees mm-hmm. and asking people about their journey and what happened along the way and what they learned. Um, and you'd be surprised as to how many people are willing to share and to make time for you. Let them know um, where your head is at and find people that you trust and, and have that, that discussion. Um, the second would be... Um, the second would be clarity comes from engagement, not thought. So I think you can go through things over and over and over in your head, um, but until you start verbalising them, quite often you there is no clarity. So being able to, to speak with somebody um, that you trust, who's going to check in with you, um, I guess, further those discussions, uh, hold you accountable for maybe some things that you think you want to take action on um, is very important. Um, And to do something. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small steps. But if you don't do anything, you can't expect a different outcome.
0: Thank you. They're, They're brilliant tips and one that I find that help a lot of people, those tips. So... Thank you for sharing your journey. It's certainly been um, a wonderful journey to listen to and we wish you every success. Now for our listeners today, if anyone would like some career guidance, some career coaching um, from Helen, please feel free to give us a call here at the office on 0733556688 and we can organise for you to have a session or to have a chat. With Helen and seeing where that takes you. Thank you very much and thank you again, Helen, for coming. Thanks, Sally. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.